it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. The Business Beauty Network is now on YouTube. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel at Biz Beauty Network. We plan to bring some awesome content along with bonus episodes and our weekly podcast episodes to the Biz Beauty Network YouTube channel. We hope to see you there. Hey, hey, welcome to the Business Beauty Network podcast where business meets beauty. I'm your host, Brandi Taylor. Welcome, welcome. I'm super, super excited to have you here. We have an awesome episode in store for you. I've been in this industry for over 16 years, and it is my goal to bring thought-provoking conversations from business and beauty professionals to help us grow our business and expand our minds. And as I would say, it's not just lipstick, it's business. So we mixed in a little fun, and we drop episodes on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, anywhere that you listen to your podcast as well. So make sure you check us out there and listen to it and subscribe there. Also click the bell in YouTube so that you don't miss an upload. You also want to make sure that you check out our podcast on our website at businessbeautynetwork.com. You can email us at hello at businessbeautynetwork.com. We are super excited to have you a part of this community. And here is today's episode. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brittany Taylor. I have an awesome guest today, Will Shelton. I'm super excited to have Will on. Let me give you a little bit of Will's bio, then I'm going to bring him right on. As the president and CEO of Willpower Integrated Marketing, Will Shelton has grown the company into a global marketing agency that leverages the unique culture of salons and barbershops to build a bridge between today's brand and hard-to-reach multicultural customers. Because of his deep connections and understanding to the beauty industry, Will is able to help both growing and legacy brands produce creative campaigns that authentically speak to multicultural to the multicultural consumer. Some of his successful partnerships include clients like AT&T, Amazon, Universal Pictures, ABC, Fox, Interscope Records, just to name a few. Here is Will Shelton. Welcome, Will. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Hey, hey, hey. I'm super, super excited to have you on today. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. You're welcome. So, Will, before we get into your business and all the phenomenal things you're doing, tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. Well, um, I'm a power lifter by night and a marketer by day. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. A power lifter by night and a marketer by day. I love it. Well, tell, share your story. You were just telling me about your daughter. You got to like share that here. Share your story. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, I've been training in the gym for over 40 consecutive years, three to five days a week since 1982. That's when I started my uh, venture into lifting weights, because one thing I realized is that not only do I lift the weights up, but the weights lift me up as well. And um, so, um, you know, ever since high school, I competed a little in high school. But then, you know, I started, um, you know, in the hair industry. So I really didn't compete, but I still trained as if I competed because usually I tell I, I really was just competing with myself and competing with perfection and competing with those um, 
principles. Um, you know, I, I realize that the principles of the dedication, the devotion, the um, the discipline that it takes, I took those same principles and I transferred them over to the salon and the beauty industry and everything else I did. So I, I used it, you know, to overcome adversity. You know, I tell people all the time, um, the more you, um, that the more you live in discomfort, the more that you're going to grow. And especially everybody knows when you exercise and fitness, you're always straining and struggling and trying to push yourself to go further and further. So that's the discomfort level that we need to feel in other areas of our life too. You know, um, adversity introduces a person to themselves and you usually become what you overcome. So um, fast forward to now, this is 40 years later, my daughter, my all my kids were athletes and I, I took them to the gym around 12 years old. So I started teaching her the basics then and then she went on and started lifting weights on her own. But but um, I was telling you, Brandy, <laughs> earlier that this past weekend was the first time ever that me and my daughter competed in the same event together, which was huge for us. Um, and not only did um, we do that, but she, she set nine uh, California state records in one day. And <laughs> I was able to set a state record for my category too. Actually, my daughter was able to deadlift 500 pounds she squatted 446 pounds and bench pressed 250. So she's ranked number two in the whole country. Uh, going And both of us, and I'm also ranked number two in my category, the, the master's category. And both of us are headed to the national competition in Las Vegas in June. <laughs> wow. Wow. Congratulations to you and your daughter. I think that is phenomenal, especially as a woman to be able to lift that much. Wow. That's amazing. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. So that's my 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 hobby and and something, you know, it's just something I've loved to do. And I love to really like not only um, lift the weights up, but lift people's spirits when you're lifting the weight. You know, when you go to these uh, competitions, there's a big crowd there. And we need that unity today. It's like a, a communal experience and everybody gets uplifted when you lift the weights, when you get on the platform and perform. So that's a great aspect of it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that for sure. Well, thanks for sharing. I think that is just a phenomenal story, Will. Thanks so much for sharing that. Thank you. So Will, tell us your beauty story. Like, How did you get into the beauty industry? Well, I always tell people the beauty industry got into me, really. Um, I wasn't looking for it. Um, I was actually uh, just had gotten married and uh, I just had my first child in about a year into marriage. The job I was working at, they started having layoffs. So I was in college for a couple of little things. And but I really wanted to really own my business, own business one day. And I wanted to do something that I would love doing for 20 or 30 years. So um, what happened was they had layoffs. I happened to go to the salon with my wife to get her hair done. And she was telling her stylist about what was going on in my job. And my her stylist said, have you ever thought about doing hair? And I said, no, I don't, I've never even thought about that before. It was just so foreign to me. I just would go with my wife or see people get their hair done. But 
not never like maybe like a barber maybe but not a cosmetologist so she said you should think about it and so you know about three months later i i me and my wife talked about it i decided to go ahead and go to school for hair and that's how it happened i just literally jumped into it and i took it on as my life depended on it because the life that i want did depend on it now that's interesting will because first of all you're at the salon with your wife <laughs> and you know, understanding that you were going through a job shift, you know, I would have looked at her like, what? <laughs> like, I should be what? <laughs> but it must have been something there because three months later, you were still thinking about it and you enrolled. So, like, kind of take us through that. Like, did it come back up or did you see the possibilities? Did you do some research? Like, how did you decide to go to school after just that one suggestion? Well, what it was, I think it was a series of process of thinking about what I wanted to do. I knew she told me that men did very well. Um, and I knew it was I could set my own hours. It's my own business. I could grow it. I could, you know, um, have the independence that I wanted. So I looked at all those aspects of it. And um, I, I said, you know what? You know, let me give it a shot because um I mean, I don't, you never know what's going to happen, but I knew one thing. I knew that one, one thing I did when I finally enrolled, I wrote down a goal. I wrote down that I wanted to become, I always write down goals. So I said, I want to become a giant in the hair industry. That's what I wrote down because I know everything that I've had a point of entry in. I just had to set these goals before I go in that way you have a process or, or of going to the top and reaching your full potential. So I looked at all those aspects of it, like the, um, like I said, the autonomy, owning your own business, the control you have, and being able to like give back in a way um, behind the chair. You know, you're behind a lot of things behind the chair. So um, I looked at that. I asked my wife, was she down? And she she was like, I'm fine with it. So and I, and and I, I'm sure she knew I'd be doing her hair for free any. <laughs> <laughs> so it was cool so that's how I, that was the process of entering into the beauty industry awesome so after you you know completed school did you go right into a salon did you work under somebody what was that process like well what i did i did some research i said wait a minute how do top stylists become top stylists so i would look through a lot of hair magazines i talked to the instructors there and it was one conclusion that I came to when I looked at all these top stylists, they had trained under other top stylists. They, they went through an assistant program to um, really learn the craft. So I told myself um, when I near finishing the program that I'm going to start looking for, because I live in California, and I said, I want to not only go to the top, I want to be in the top. Um, market. So I went to Beverly Hills, California, <laughs> where the, the top stylists out there, because I kind of wanted to work in the entertainment industry. I was I thought about that. So I said, let me put myself geographically closer to that area as well. So after the research, I, I reached out to like, it was like two or three black salons or, or, or black stylists in those areas. And I went down there and I and I asked them, did they have any room uh, for assistance there? So um, it was it was a hot summer day. 
I think it was around 1994, and I went to a place called Elgin Charles Salon on the third floor of a high-rise building in Beverly Hills. So that's very day I went in there to ask about an assistant program. They said, oh, there's a lady named Debbie Pierce here, and, and her assistant just quit. So she needs somebody. So I talked to her, Brandy, and she said, can, can you start today? So Wow, talk about divine timing, right? <laughs> so I literally started, and Debbie Pierce, she actually was a top stylist at the time because she actually did hair on the set of Moesha and Family Matters during the week. And on the weekend, she worked in the salon. So it was like just this perfect situation for me. Um, and Elgin Charles, the owner of the shop, he had a big clientele. He did Diane Carroll's hair and um, a lot of the top, like Natalie Cole. And you never you never knew who was going to walk in the shop. It was about 10 stylists. They had private suites in there as well. And everybody in there was doing, you know, top talent hair. And it was the perfect place for me to to learn, to engage, just not only to learn how to do hair, but learn how customer service, uh, to create an experience for your clients, no matter what level of client you're, you're doing. So that that was my entry into, you know, leaving school and setting a goal and going into becoming an assistant. I love that story, Will, because it's very encouraging. And I think today, like, people sleep on assisting and the power in that and learning from other people. So many times I see beauty professionals just want to come straight out of school and go right into a suite or a thing on their own thing. But I think that's great that you you stepped out there, you set, you set a goal and said, okay, I want to work with some of the top people and you went to like one of the top salons and the door was instantly open right most people would be afraid to do that yeah they would um but i think you should be afraid not to do it really i mean think, i think um i tell people you know fear is false evidence appearing real and you know we all have those uh those dark corners in our minds those those dark neighborhoods in our minds that we walk through and we think we can't get to the other side. So, um, and we, maybe we think we're not enough sometimes or we don't have enough, but I, I think people should start believing that they can um, do more than what they really have ever done before and trust um, the progress, not just the process, trust the progress that you have to go through and I think that um, you people will be amazed if they just stepped out there and made a decision and just stood flat footed and said, I'm going to do this no matter what, because everything that I want is on the line. So I think if they change the mentality, change the mindset that they have. And, and other thing is not just don't just think, you know, it all because you come out of school. School only kind of sets you up for the first phase. There's so much more. There's so many more variables. And there's a deep end of the pool that you need to get to. And you need assistance. And maybe you need to become an assistant to get to the deep, to the other side of the, the deeper end of the pool in your craft and in your industry. Yes. So fast forward, you you assisted and you worked in this awesome salon. Now, I know you eventually went on to own your own salon. So kind of share like a little bit of that journey with us. 
Yeah, well, um, when I went in there, I wanted to really just learn how to do um, different techniques, um, you know, as far as hair, whether it was a weave or whether it was round brushing or blow drying. I mean, just the techniques the, uh, and build a real foundation so that when I left there, I had the professionalism. I had not just the ability but I had the accountability because I tell people your accountability is more important than your ability is in life in this thing, because your clients are counting on you. Your kids are counting on you. Your wife is counting on you. Your life is counting on you to measure up to the standards. So these are standards that are set for you and you want to be a standard setter. So that's what set me up. After that, I went on and I um, opened up my own shop, um, not too far from where I lived because I didn't live in the Beverly Hills area. But I and I and I opened the shop and I I maintained that shop for ten years, you know. And and I took all of those lessons, all of those things that I learned um, in that shop that I worked at to the to assist that I, I had to call on all the, all those things and more when I opened my shop and I had that foundation already set. Awesome. Awesome. So tell us like in your shop, I know you ended up, you know, getting into this whole marketing and music thing. So take us on this, on this journey. Yeah. Well, the journey and the story behind the journey is, you know, when I open my shop, I'm doing hair and you know, um, there's always a conveyor belt of conversations that go on in shops, you know, um, you know, as a stylist, as a barber, you can get more out of your clients in 15 minutes than a therapist in 15 years, you know, right. <laughs> and, and, you know, um, there, you know, you're the one who's maybe like the trendsetter. You, you have all this, this information. You're like this, uh, um, sometimes they're almost like a Rolodex for people like, they want to know, uh, you know, where is um, the the best restaurant in town or, you know, because you have so many clients that let you know about restaurants or let you know about their dentist or their doctor or what movies out or, you know, because there's so many conversations that go on about television and entertainment. What I recognized was that clients would lean on me for like what movie to go see. And they would ask what album or record that was playing in the background. And when I told them the name of the, the of the artist, they told me they were going to go buy the album after they left the salon. So, you know, Brandy, I realized I had an epiphany. I said, wait a minute, I'm helping the entertainment industry market their projects through the shop. And I feel like they need to know that this is a captive audience. Awesome. So... Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with that. But like, what was your thought process behind it? Like, okay, so how do I, you know, step into this? And how do I let them know that this is a captive audience? And how did you go about that process? Well, first, I thought, of, I said, wait a minute, this is, this sounds like a great idea. I don't know if anybody's ever done it or thought about it this way before. But um, I told myself first, if I have nothing, I have nothing to lose. <laughs> by by doing this so what i did is i put a proposal together i had a client that worked in publicity so she helped me to put a proposal together and i sent it out 
to every movie studio and every record label I could think of. And by at that time, you know, you had to get the phone book. There was no Google, no internet, none of that stuff. This was like in the mid nineties. So you just had to do it by foot. You know, you just one thing at a time. So I got the list. I sent out the proposal. I let them know this is the captive audience. They spend X amount of dollars and they were the perfect target audience for film and, and the different records that come out. And I let them know what's going on in the shop and what they were missing. And guess what, Brandy? Within about 30 days, I started receiving free CDs from the record labels and advanced screening passes from the movie studios. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So um, so when you started receiving these screening passes and, and CDs, like what was your, did you have a strategy? Like how did you tell, you know, like your clients about it, the salon about it? What was the process there? Well, for Brandy, I was just happy to get free swag first. <laughs> right, right. You was happy for the free swag. Like, okay. That's how it usually is in the beginning. It's like, yeah. yeah. I was like, wow, this is crazy. I got free stuff and I would, you know, play the latest music before it came out because they would send me stuff you know, really before it came out, right? The same things they would send to the radio station, they would send to me because it was kind of like a mini radio station in there because you're like, you know, premiering this music to the, to the, uh, your clients in there. So, um, I, and then the movie passes, you know, these were movies that, that were just coming out. So they would get an advanced screening of it. So I was just like charged up by that. But then I thought about, I said, wait a minute, I let this go on for about a year. And when it set in, I said, you know what? There's thousands of black barbershops and salons nationwide. I just need to like build a team to build a network to really get access to all of these shops. And then I can go back to these same uh, entertainment companies and say, hey, guess what? Um, I can get you in in shops in Houston and Dallas and Atlanta all across the country. And that's when the business was born. That's when there that we decided that it was going to be like a paid engagement. And that's when the revenue started. And I really became um, what I would call a marketing consultant for these brands. Awesome. So you started like affiliate marketing in the 90s, right? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Right. Yep. Right. Right. So what was the process of getting funding like for this? Like so before they were sending you CDs and tickets and things like that. Uh, but you saw this as a viable business. Of course, after a year, you're like, OK, they sent me free stuff. Maybe they'll send me some money. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yep. So what I did, well, this goes all. This is kind of going back, but. I remember the first movie that I got paid to actually execute uh, an activation in the shops was a movie called Two Can Play That Game that was starring Morris Chestnut and Vivica Fox. And um, I, I had a meeting with the studio. I went up to Sony Pictures and I had a meeting with the vice president of marketing <laughs> in his office. And he said, we want to hire you to do this. And um, I said, OK. So um, we we did a certain number of shops. We got all of the um, posters and different swag to build the awareness about the film. And that was the first film I got paid for. They actually paid me. And I was I was just shocked that it was really happening. It felt so um, like it was surreal because I'm like, oh, OK, this is a real deal now. You know, I'm, I mean, when I rolled up to Sony Pictures and they opened the gates <laughs> for me to go in there. I was like, this is crazy. So 
uh, from that point, um, I just kind of shifted my consciousness and my mind. And I started really kind of to put together uh, the structure of how this was going to go going forward. And I knew the opportunity that I had. And I always tell people, you know, the one thing that that's why we miss these opportunities, because we miss what's missing. We literally miss what is actually missing. And that's the opportunity right there for a new business or something unique about your business. So um, that that was key. And that's how I kind of like that started my business and, and it's just gone on to be over 25 years now. Awesome. Like, did you have any pushback because, or just any like uh, fear about doing this in the beginning? Because you're, okay, so you're a salon owner, a hairstylist. You're behind the chair and you, you're doing this and this is something that you stepped into. And now you see an opportunity with movies and music and, and marketing and, and that side. And, and this is a new territory for you. So I know it had to be a little bit different, you know, so like you said, pulling up to the studios and all of those things. So like, was it any like pushback? Did you feel like this was something like, like, should I do this or should I not do this? Or kind of like take us along your journey and how that felt? Yeah, um, you know, it was it was totally different from what I've ever done. And, you know, I I didn't know much about like I knew that I had the gift and the innate ability to put together good marketing concepts just just naturally. But I mean, I didn't know a lot of the terms. So I, I like I think I got a, a couple of books on marketing, you know, to read up on it. And I got a couple of books on the entertainment industry because I really didn't have any mentors. I didn't know anybody. It wasn't like I knew anybody. It wasn't like I had a network where I could call somebody and say, hey, how do how do I structure this or do this? It just all had to unfold from um, just starting from scratch, man, and just climbing the scaffolding. So one thing I tell people is, you know, um, you know, never limit your point of entry in life. You know, it's it's like you can do something that you've never done before um, if you just try something you never tried before. You just have to believe it. You know, sometimes um, if you don't believe in yourself, you have to borrow the belief of someone else until your own belief <laughs> kicks in. Um, so I, I mentally and emotionally, I wasn't going to limit my point of entry. You know, I don't I know I didn't have a degree in marketing. I know all the people that work at the um, at these brands, they had degrees, but but I knew they needed me because I had the answer. I had the solution. So I knew I had a solution. I knew I had the answer. I knew I had the prognosis and kind of the diagnosis. So that's what took the fear away because I knew I had something that they wanted and that they needed. And beyond that, they needed and wanted this audience. They wanted a, a, a black audience that has an insatiable appetite for entertainment and that spends money on that. So that was the process for me, like kind of just going after your dreams as if your life depended on it, because the life that you want does depend on it. And um, I just took that um, that mindset towards it. And I think I, what I could share with the audience is just you got to have that mindset first. Because even if you have the strategy, even if you have the tactic, if you don't have that mindset that you can win with what you have, then it's going to be hard for you to overcome, you know, those doubts that creep in 
in the night. If you haven't heard of Gloss Genius and are serious about improving your beauty business, I suggest you check it out. Gloss Genius has become one of the industry's leading booking, marketing, and payment apps. And it's the only one that's smart, stylish, and here to support you. Tens of thousands of independent and small teams across salons and spas nationwide trust Gloss Genius to help them run their business. We can see why. You get beautiful customized booking websites, easy clientele marketing tools, the lowest fees on built-in payments, and many more features for one low monthly price. The best part is that the Business Beauty Network listeners get 50% off your monthly subscription for the first three months. And the team at Gloss will move your client info, notes, upcoming appointments, and services over for free within a couple of days. To sign up, download Gloss Genius in the App Store and enter the code BBNGloss. That's BBNGloss. The direct link will be in the show notes. Awesome. It seems like you know when to shift. You know, <laughs> like like when it's time to make a shift, it's like, okay, I'm shifting to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, has that been something that's always was there for you? Like you just knew, okay, it's time to shift. It's time to shift. Um, yeah, I think um, with me, <clears throat> I feel like um, I think the time is always right, you know, to make uh, like a pivot or something. Um, I think if you look, I think one thing I can tell the audience is that if you look at the landscape of what's going on around you and you be a good observant and you become a, a also a servant at the same time, you'll start to see where you can stand out. Like always was a person to tell people like stand out and don't fit in, you know, develop a niche for yourself, become unique because unique is better than better. Um, it is, but it's almost like a shift of consciousness, even beyond the shift in the marketplace that has to start first, your consciousness and your mindset has to shift to the degree to where you say, you know what, no matter what happens, I'm going to live on the line. I'm going to trust all of these things that's going on and what I, and, and I'm going to trust in what I don't see more than what I do see and that what you don't see is your vision. And that's what people don't see, but you have to just, you have to create a reason for them to believe in your vision, but you have to believe in your vision before they believe in it. So that's just what it is with me as, as far as shifts goes and, and being able to step into different territories, different industries, and, um, you know, just go in and just become an expert at it and do your research. Well, we're going to definitely have a lot of quotes, okay, from you. <laughs> so unique is better than better. I love that. And I want you, you got to explain. You can't just roll past this one. <laughs> so tell us how unique is better than better. Well, unique is better than better because I always tell people, um, you, as your as your business and as your brand, you have to um, set yourself apart. You can't be a generalist 
you got to be a specialist. You can't just scatter your shots. You have to aim a rifle. Um, you have to look at what's the real DNA of Randy. What's the real DNA of Will? What's the real DNA of my company? And you dig into that DNA and that's where your uniqueness is. That's where your strengths lie deep in there. So once you figure that out, that's your uniqueness. And that's even better than being better because when you're unique, you become the choice instead of a choice. Okay. All right, Will. I love that. <laughs> so fast forward, willpower, marketing. Like, tell us what you're doing for your clients right now. Like, kind of take us into, like, what you're doing with willpower marketing. Yeah, I'll take you through a few things. Um, you know, since I started my company, um, I'll, I'll just give you a couple examples of last year. I mean, last year, um, I worked with um, Amazon with their movie, the Coming to America movie. They they called me to consult with them to spearhead the beauty and barbershop campaigns that they wanted to set out throughout the nation. I worked with uh, MGM Studios on a film called Respect that um, Jennifer Hudson was starring in. So I spearheaded that for them. I worked with Fox Television on a new show called Our Kind of People. Um, and I helped them to put together a, a culturally relevant campaign that resonated with African-American females. Um, I also did, um, it was a campaign we did with uh, UCLA Hospital, um, because sometimes, you know, it's not just entertainment, but since COVID happened, we, we are all in the same valley of suffering. Um, and we're all trying to heal from that. And, you know, there was different types of treatments coming out and vaccine came out last year. So um, I kind of turned the shops into pillars of health where we went in and we helped them to, to educate them on new treatments and where where to get the vaccine, the facts about the vaccine, because a lot of black people um, were weren't able to get it or a lot of black people will have more fear of um, they they trust the science, but they don't trust the scientists. Right. <laughs> so so my job was to go in and educate the barbershops and salons so they can get the information to their clients so we can stay healthy. You know, we had a lot of core morbidities even before COVID happened. You know, our community deals with high blood pressure, diabetes and those types of things more than other communities. So we need to learn how to stay healthy and do our blood pressure checks and, and learn, you know, how to have better food conduct and things like that. Um, and, you know, get insurances and things like that. So um, I actually worked on those types of things last year, too. So that's that's a lot of what I'm doing and I'm helping, um, you know, just I'm, I'm holding these these clients and these brands accountable in a way. I wrote a book called The Silent Agreement, The Illusion of Inclusion, because a lot of these companies said they stood in solidarity with us after the George Floyd inflection. Um, and then um, so they were like, well, we want to do something in the community. But I asked them the question, you know, is your solidarity solid or is it symbolic? You know, does your stand mm -hmm. line up with your stats? Um, and, and I told them, you know, you guys want loyalty from the black communities, 
but they want you to put a ring on it. They want a full commitment. They don't want to shack up with you. They don't want to cohabitate with you. So the way you get to loyalty, I teach these companies, you have to first to gain loyalty, you have to gain their respect, you have to gain their trust, then you gain their loyalty. So I'm helping them to invest in the black communities in a, a full commitment way. Also, I think it's definitely needed um, because sometimes with things like what happened with George Floyd, you know, it'll be a trend to support and to say we're inclusive and all of that. And then you'll put your, you know, Zendaya's or whoever on the, on the cover for one week and, and then that's it, you know, so and we support. But I, I can't say that I see more companies still, tr you know, um, trying to be more inclusive. I know we still have a long way to go. But I think it's definitely something that needs to be continuously brought to their attention and they need to be continuously held accountable for these things for sure. Mm -hmm. Because I what I what I can say is we are loyal consumers, right? Black people are loyal consumers. Yeah. I will say, and I, I can I'm I'm guilty of it. Like I've been using some of the same products because my mama used them, because my grandma used them for years, and that's how we are. And um, and because of that, we need to be recognized in the market more. We need to have more respect, you know, in this in in the industry overall. Period. Not just beauty, but just in general as consumers, for sure. Yeah, we need to have the seat at the table, mm -hmm. um, at all the tables, you know, um, at the studios, at the global brand tables, because. We live in a multicultural, multiracial country now. There is no more general marketing. I mean, so they need to have diversity within those companies so we can bring our point of view and we can really bring um, the cultural relevancy to those campaigns so they have the, not only the right depictions of us in their advertisements and the, the commitment year round, not just Black History Month and Juneteenth is there, you know? Exactly, exactly. So yeah, so tell us, what's the name of your book again? I'll make sure I put the information in the show notes, but tell us how they can uh, get your book. Yeah, you can get the book on um, Amazon. You can get it on any online book, book platform, um, Barnes and Nobles. Um, you can order it. Um, on any online book platform is called The Silent Agreement, The Illusion of Inclusion in Black Corporate America. Um, so that's the title of it. And it, it really is a book that's designed to take you from a reader to a better leader. And it's, it's really written to get more out of you than you get out of it. It's, it's not only um, it's, it's so relevant, but it's revealing at the same time. Yes, yes. So I'll make sure I have all of that information in the show notes. Now, Will, I know you are you're multifaceted. I would definitely call you a serial entrepreneur for sure. <laughs> and um, I know your help. You also because you have a beauty background and you've owned a salon yourself. You also help a lot of salon owners in addition to the entertainment piece that you're doing with these big companies. So share with us some of the things that you help salons with. Well, a lot of the times with salons, I help them. You know. I'll give you an example. Um, you'll see a hairstylist maybe on a local television news segment on, at Christmas time talking about the latest hairstyles that you can do for Christmas or or the colors for spring. Um, and you see a lot of these 
uh, top stylists or local styles in newspapers and in magazines. And stylists always want to know how do how did they get in there? How do I get into these these uh, these media outlets? You know, uh, it's cool to have social media, but I teach them also traditional media builds more credibility for you, and it makes you more of an authority, and it also increases your profits, and it also increases your visibility. So I teach them how to put together a PR kit, a press kit um, with all your um, accolades in there and how to pitch yourself and your brand to the local news outlets and media outlets. So you can be the one that's doing those segments or when they have when they want to talk about the Crown Act, they, they'll come to your shop and they'll ask you, what do you think about them passing the, this new Crown Act bill? things like that. And I help them with um, their marketing structure to really um, have a hyper focus, how to, you know, put together really good marketing campaigns and to just to have a larger vision for themselves as a, as a company and not to really just operate as a mom and pop shop, but act, operate as like a globally scalable business. I love that for sure. Now, you know, well, I've been featured on the news quite a few times over the years. And what I did, I was doing events. And so because I was doing events, I was interviewed once for the event. And then I built a relationship and I actually became like a go-to expert for mm -hmm. makeup and skincare tips. And I was often on my local news channel, like maybe once a month. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you one mistake I made at that particular time, Will, was I did not utilize that. Mm. Uh, to really brand myself as the authority in the industry. So what I mean is, it's like I was on the news, I posted, it was good for a week, and then it was gone. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. didn't I did repurpose the content. I yeah. didn't really put it on my website. I didn't, yeah. let, I didn't do the media kit and stuff. And, and that's something that working with some of my clients now, I'm talking to them about like, okay, you've been on the news, but you can actually utilize this to let people know that you're the authority and um, giving them some different ways to utilize the press that they receive in the media. Yeah, I, you know, I call that the PR for the PR, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that, that's what it is when you, you know, that news, because what it does is it helps them too. So you have a certain amount of followers on your LinkedIn page, on your social media pages. So you repost that interview, you repost, um segments of that interview and you tag them in it you tag the news station you tag the newspaper or the magazine in it and they love that because that helps their um audience to grow as well you know what i'm saying so um that that's what i teach them how to do and, and that's something that you probably you neglected but you probably you didn't understand that part but um that's something that i also teach would teach them how to do is to to get more traction out of that, you know, um, way more. And then you can take those same articles because once you start doing media, there's a media value that you have. So um, you, you don't only stay local, you can go um, national, you know, the Today Show, Good Morning America. There, then there's so many shows now on streaming channels, you, you can really um, increase and expand your media to a whole nother level. Yes, for sure. So in addition to helping them get like 
press coverage and their media kit and all those things together. Um, is, are there any, like, since you're the marketing guy, like, are there any tips that you can share? Like, I know the industry is shifting, like, when it comes to, like, paid advertising. I don't know if you tap into that or not. But, like, kind of, like, talk about the shifts you're seeing in the industry. Um, some ways the salons can stand out right now. Yeah, ways they can stand out now is like look at how how you're structured and maybe restructured. Look at, um, I mean, if you're not already doing classes, I mean, you can do classes online. You can do subscription classes. You can have uh, replays where people go on and they learn about you know your techniques for color for cutter coloring cutting hair. Um, and there's also you know there's tons of uh, stylists and barbers that. You know, you can become an ambassador for brands um, that take you around the world and around the country and you become an ambassador for them as well. Um, There's so many brands that want to tap into the cultural capital that exists in the shops and what these shop owners have to offer, not only in the shop, but as micro influencers. I mean, think about it. You have 50,000 followers or however many followers you have. You have the trust of those followers. There's brands like Ford and AT&T and all kind of different brands that's looking to partner with you so that you can generate revenue from your social media in a very like organic way and maybe introducing your followers to new products. I mean, I do this all the time when I work with film and television um, um, companies to promote a new film. They, I work with um, influencers and shop owners and stylists, and they post the trailer for the movie. They post about the screening, and they invite their followers to come to the local screening with them. We have all kind of incentivized giveaways that we they give away to their followers. They give away swag items to their shop owners, so they become the trendsetters in their community around you know the things that they're doing and that just helps to expand their brand and grow their business and increase their profits definitely i think a lot of salons and stylists sleep on those opportunities one of my clients she uh started training with a popular color brand and they actually had her traveling all over they gave her all the training that she needed and she just has to do maybe like a class uh, every now and then for them but she's been able to increase her income and really expand her brand through working with this company and becoming like a trainer for them and an educator for them so it's so many different opportunities out there. You know, don't be afraid to step out and do different things, diversifying your income and finding different ways to use your skills in order to, you know, make another income stream for you for sure. I think that's something that people sleep on um, as well and with the influencer marketing and all of those things. So thanks for sharing that, Will. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. It's it's um it, it's a great it's a great time. Um it's it's you know, um it's it's so fragmented that you like i say you can really stand out even if everybody else is doing the same thing you have to figure out how do you stand out don't try to fit in with everybody else everybody's posting the same messages and the same things so you just have to go in a different direction in a direction that's maybe in alignment with your brand and once you figure that out but i think a lot of um of shop owners or stylists, they have a, what I call a brand identity crisis where they, they don't really know who they are or they need to sit down and 
consult with someone so they can really streamline their process and, and understand um, even more about posting, more about um, partnering. Um, I think partnering is is a huge way to really leverage what you're doing and to um, grow into other industries and other things that you want to get into. Yes, definitely. So, Will, thinking about other things that you want to get into, we got to talk about this. So, <laughs> you have a candle line. Like I said, you're a serial entrepreneur. You're into many things. But I want tell us about your candle line. And, you know, how did you decide to come up with it and all of those things? Yeah, um, it was one of those things where it just... It just came to me. I mean, I think I was, you know, I think it's over the the almost 30 years of experience I've had in the industry. And I think it just all came together. So it was kind of easy when that when that uh, the imagination kind of took over. And I thought about, you know, I always I write about this stuff, too. You know, I have another book coming out called The Black History of the Black Barbershop and Salon. And that's a deep dive from um, West Africa, where they brought us here with slave ships, all the way through every era of hair, the, the 1960s and 70s, which are called the revolution of hair. Then you had the 90, the evolution of hair and how different things have taken place and how this discrimination against our hair has been weaponized against us. But anyway, I, you know, um, I write about this stuff. So you know, always call the shops, the salons, they're a sacred space for Black people. Um, it's where we go, you know, to just relax and recharge and recover. And, you know, your your appointment with your hairstylist or barber is always like a session. So the name Sacred Sessions popped in my head. <laughs> and I was like, wow, have, there's never been a candle line specifically made for the black hair industry. You know, this is like um, the black hair experience through scented candles. So um, I came up with names of fragrances for the candles. One name is called um, Detangle. What <laughs> One name is called Touch Up because you go to get retouches all the time. Right. There's another name called um, Recharge because you go to the salon to reconnect and recharge. And all these fragrances are like soy based. They're clean burning and the scent really carries throughout the room. And um, it's just it's a unique um, candle. And I know a lot of salons and spas, they use candles all the time in their shops. You know, I heard seven out of 10 households purchase candles. Yes, I'm I'm one of them. Soon as the candle sale hits, is I'm on it. <laughs> so I definitely love candles. And I think that's phenomenal. And you forgot silk press. Because I was silk press, yeah, that <laughs> silk press. Yes. That's a good one too. Yeah. Silk yep. press. Yeah, but I love the names of the candles and I think it's a great concept. And I can definitely see um, you know, salad owners use that. I would love to smell them. You gotta definitely, I gotta get one for sure. But I can see salon owners, you know, using a candle that it could be a conversation piece, right? Yeah. You know, like like with the name, like what can't do that, girl? That's silk press. Yeah, girl, that's recharge. You know, so, yeah. I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. 
Also, so I have the website going across the screen now if you're watching, but if you listen to the podcast, all of the information that we'll share his books and how to reach him will definitely be in the show notes. So, Will, what are you excited about right now? Like, we're in a new season. It's spring. Well, I know you're probably, it's warm all the time where you are at. (laughs) But, you know, it's like spring to me is just like, I don't know, it's a new season because here we get real winter. So we're coming into a new season. And this is oftentimes a new season for businesses. And especially, um, I find, you know, beauty, the beauty industry is, you know, coming out of a slower season after the holidays and kind of ramping back up to a busy season. So what are you excited about right now? Well, I'm excited about um, helping people to become what they overcome i'm excited to for people to be hopeful again um i know a lot of a lot you know we were in this kind of induced coma for the last couple of years with covid but you know i want people to know that they can get excited because their comeback can be stronger and more powerful than their setback was you know i'm excited because um you know life there's so many opportunities out here you know even there were even opportunities within the crisis, which we're still going to. So I always tell people, why waste a good crisis? You know, <laughs> um, we, you know, we sometimes we have to recognize that, you know, and maybe it's gotten to that point now where we have to be ambidextrous again, where we have to use both our hands and and really get into it and realize that good enough is not good enough anymore. And that, you know, we we have what it takes um, and we just have to have the perseverance because, you know, one day our life is going to flash before our eyes. We want to make sure it's worth watching, you know. <laughs> so what's your pet peeve? Like, what would you like to see shift in the industry? Um, I think what I'd like to see shift is business owners, salon owners recognize the power that they have and to maybe uh, look at you know, getting some consulting, um, maybe being assistants after they get out of school so they can build a stronger foundation in, in business and in, um, you know, customer experiences. I think that the industry just needs to get back to some of the basics, you know, um, and, and, and go back to that foundation, maybe look at working at a shop maybe not just doing booth rent but a commission because a lot of those shops can really help you go to the next level i've seen shops even last year where they worked at a commission shop and they still made a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> on commission so um those things are worth it i think um people just don't I, you know the one thing don't limit yourself don't limit your possibilities you know just just take action um you know you can do all the planning all the strategizing and it's not going to go anywhere until it's accompanied by serious effort at doing the work right right i often say okay you read the book you got the t-shirt you did all the things but now you got to do something right you got to take action <laughs> Exactly. Right. right. Well, it has been phenomenal uh, having you on the podcast today. I have a final question for you. What would you say now? You you definitely are a serial entrepreneur. You've done many things and made many ships. But what has been the biggest lesson that you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey thus far? To not let anyone convince you that you can't achieve your dreams, that they don't know you like that. And they have no idea who you really are. So don't waste time trying to convince them 
you keep working on your plan, you keep working on your purpose and you handle your business because what you do speaks louder than what you say. Awesome. Well, show to everybody. As always, stay great and we are out. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I want to hear from you. Email me at info at businessbeautynetwork.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at I am Brandy Taylor and Facebook at I am Brandy Taylor. I want to connect with you. So let's stay connected. And remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.